what conditions are stipulations magic tricks or manipulations interjecting conversation today I'd like to go through the the lawsuit by the Naked Baby on Nirvana's Nevermind cover. This has obviously been stewing for a little while. I thought about covering it um, a couple months ago, around when the the baby himself, who's now a, a man in his 30s, named Spencer Eldon. I guess he was always named Spencer Eldon. Um, but back when he filed the lawsuit originally, but then pretty swiftly a motion to dismiss was filed by Nirvana and representatives of uh, Kurt Cobain's estate. And we'll get into some of the, the deeper specifics of what that motion entailed and whether there's any merit, but the spoiler is that the judge in that case pretty swiftly granted the motion to dismiss on the complaint as initially filed. So the the relevance of covering it went away for a hot second. Um, I thought that that was a very good move on the judge's part, but the audacity, Spencer Eldon and his attorneys, who you gotta wonder who these people are, uh, have refiled it now with slight alterations to the content of the complaint that are meant to address the substance that got it uh, dismissed in the first place. So um, we shall see if those alterations make the requisite changes just to get in the door of a courtroom, essentially. That is a different story than whether they win when they're actually in court or at whatever phase in between. But um, so let's backtrack a little bit before we get too deep into those weeds. And look at, you know, if you're not familiar with the album and the album cover, or the case at all, uh, let's look at Spencer Eldon and his nude self, and what Nirvana did with it. Now when I say let's look at, I don't actually mean, um, like, gawk at his baby penis as he has referred to it. Um, I'm just making a mess of this. Look, okay, so Nevermind is a great album by Nirvana a band that was, you know, I'm treating you like you were born and bred and have since lived under a rock, but early 90s, this album came out. This is the band with um, Dave Grohl in it. Um, Kurt Cobain, who then famously died, possibly by suicide, probably by suicide is my thinking. I don't know much about it. Uh, but then Courtney Love, everybody hates her, apparently. I always get a little bit of a raised eyebrow in my internal brain face when a famous woman is hated, especially a famous girlfriend, like the Yoko syndrome. That said, though, I did watch the new Beatles documentary, and Yoko is kind of irritating. Um, and I hate saying that as a feminist who wants to defend her, but... Um, so that's Kurt Cobain, Dave Grohl, uh, Chris Novoselic is another band member, and all the band members are named in this current lawsuit. So I'm not sure if there are any other parties, if they're like record executives um, or designers, it, it would be possible 
but I imagine it's anybody affiliated in the production of and who benefits from ownership of that media. So Courtney Love is is in there as representative of Kurt Cobain's estate. Um, in any case, the album cover is a naked baby in a swimming pool, and you do see a little bit of his wiener. Um, I mean, along with the rest of him, babies are often naked. I'd say more than most people tend to be in public. Um, so this is kind of a red flag of something that, that I think will be a huge substantive problem throughout this case and, and with the baseline claim that they're making, that if you see a naked baby as inherently sexual and, you know, inherently pornographic, that is both, like, a weird problem for you, and it's a problem for precedent that is set by this case, because that means not only does everybody who owns this album uh, become child pornography possessors, um, and thus potentially liable in their own right um, if they've bought it within the statute of limitations, but it also, like, that line of reasoning, if it were to be applied to any other cases in future would mean anybody who possesses a photo of their own child or, you know, a neighbor child or a friend's kid naked in a bathtub, that they are all, you know, producing and distributing child pornography and possessing it in, you know, ad nauseum uh, themselves. So this is really problematic reasoning um, when you look at the actual content of the art itself, the album cover itself which is the basis for the whole thing. So it is worth saying that up top, and that's why I wanted to clarify what the image is, if you're not familiar, up top. So uh, the naked baby is in a swimming pool. I believe to give a short version of the story about how the photo came about, once Kurt Cobain and the band and the designers had the idea, um, the baby's in a a pool of water reaching for a dollar on a fish hook. So it's, you know, it's commentary, baby. It's capitalism. It's the rat race starts on day one. And look at us. We're always grabbing for the dollar. Um, I'm, I'm being much more dismissive. It, it's a great piece of art. And I think it's even like in the Metropolitan Museum of Arts gallery of uh, influential album covers. So it, it's well known. It's, um, one of the more thought-provoking album covers out there. It's a nicely composed photo. I believe how they found him to be the subject, how they found Spencer Eldon, was, you know, something relatively unceremonious. Like, they were working at some, um, that the band was at, you know, some facility or venue or something, and they're like, hey, does anybody, this is our idea for the album cover, does anyone have a baby? <laughs> that we can use for it. Um, and Spencer Eldon's parents um, evidently volunteered him, which is also key. There's a bit of a question, and I only bring it up here because I don't know the answer, so this is kind of all I can say about it, but I think there's a question about um, now Eldon is alleging that his parents didn't sign a release, um, which they would be his representatives when he's under the age of 18. So... Um, there, that sounds to me more like a, you know, a contract dispute, not a child pornography claim, um, but contract disputes tend to have a shorter window of time in which they can be brought. Um, they're certainly not as, um, like, lascivious and headline-making, and they're a little bit more transparent in terms of, um, you know, financial matters, 
it would probably be limited. I don't know if you could actually sue the band members if the contract is initially with management, which means the pockets that you're trying to get money out of would not be the really deep, famous ones of the band members themselves. So that's that's probably why they haven't or didn't focus on the contract elements, um, you know, in a more fitting way. Because I think that really is the only possible dispute involving this album cover that I could see having succeeded at some point in the past. I'm blatantly passing my own judgment there, but um, yeah. Uh, the So the lawsuit itself, um, the initial one, so this is the complaint that was dismissed uh, roughly a week or so ago, um, and I'll explain that because it, it's kind of an embarrassing type of motion to get dismissed under as dismissals go. But the the initial complaint by Spencer Eldon alleged things like uh, possession and distribution of child pornography in the image itself and then the distribution of the album uh, and profiting therefrom. And they brought it in federal court because obviously the distribution of that album was pretty widespread. So it crossed state lines, it crossed country lines, and that's one of the things that qualifies you for federal jurisdiction. Um, so they, yeah, they, they argued child pornography. I believe they also argued sex trafficking. And here's where we hit our first, <laughs> one of many major problems, and this one was um, integral in getting it dismissed, which was the statute under which they argued child trafficking. The statute that Spencer Eldon and his team cited was one that I was passed relatively recently. I believe, let's see here, um, the statute was enacted in 2003, the photo was taken in 1991. So there's this really basic principle that we have in this country and you'll understand it because it's, you know, it's there because it is common sense and it's such a bottom rung of how justice should be measured, and that is the ex post facto idea. And ex post facto is after the fact. You can't be responsible for breaking a law by doing something that wasn't illegal at the time. So if there wasn't a law in place prohibiting the conduct that you did, when you did that conduct, you can't be held responsible for it because when you did that, it wasn't illegal. So. Obviously, for things like sex trafficking and child pornography, these are very sensitive subjects. And, you know, I probably should have given you the warning up top earlier, except that I feel kind of glib about this particular case because I, I so don't believe that it actually falls in those categories. So it's kind of a far cry from actual anything. Um, but uh, I, I hate to be too flippant about the topic of, of sex trafficking. Obviously, you know in nine out of ten cases that allege child pornography or sex trafficking, it would be a real bummer if they got thrown out for something like, oh, it wasn't, this specific law hadn't been passed at the time. But for this one, the fact is, the sex trafficking law under which they made this complaint, that they're trying to get recovery, that they are arguing there was some violation, that law did not even come into effect until over a decade after the photo was taken. So that's your first problem with the initial lawsuit, um, first dismissal level problem. Um, the other issue that I think plagued all of the claims that he made in the complaint 
is the issue of statute of limitations, which um, you'll see they kind of try to finagle that with the amended complaint that they just filed. I don't know if I'm buying it. Um, but statute of limitations, if you're familiar with the phrase or the concept, is essentially um, a window of time in which you are allowed to bring claims related to certain conduct. So if, let's go to contract disputes because it, it tends to be less emotionally, well, tell that to somebody in a contract dispute, but in terms of, um, you know, conduct that you can imagine, it's, it's a pretty easy civil matter, it's not violent, whatever. So if you have a dispute arising out of a contract that was signed in, let's use 2003, because that is a year that is on the tip of our time. Um, states and the federal system all have their own limit of how long after, like the, the size of the window length of time that you can actually bring a suit relating to that contract violation or whatever you're alleging. I'm not explaining this super well. Um, essentially, you have like seven years in that circumstance to bring a case in court about that problem. And then in the eighth year, if you want to bring it to the court, it's like, no, it happened too long ago, we're not going to do it. Um, we won't hear this case. And it sounds a little... I can see somebody who is not familiar with the legal system initially thinking that this is a kind of unfair thing. And for certain types of crimes, you know, things like rape or um, other violent crimes, certain things that are very easy to prove, uh, I could absolutely understand that impulse. And I think that there is some truth to it, even still. Um, there, There's one thing for which there is no statute of limitations, and that is murder. So anytime you discover the murder, anytime that you want to bring that case, for time immemorial, you can always bring that, regardless of how long it's been, you know, presuming that the defendant is still alive, because that that's a different requirement. Um, but everything else, there is a set amount of time. Now, it varies greatly for different crimes and for civil offenses as well. So usually for ones that tend to create less damage and are civil, the window of time is shorter because it's like um, the stakes are lower. If you really care, do this quickly. Uh, versus something like, um, you know, child sexual abuse, New York actually is, you know, working around statute of limitations because it is kind of unjust for children who are victims of um, child sexual abuse, that they have now passed some measures to lengthen the amount of time and reopen that window. Um, but those, even without laws like New York has now passed, they tend to be longer periods of time. So rather than like a year it's closer to 15 years or something like that. Again, this differs state to state as well, so um, no, none of the numbers I'm using are, are set examples to go by, but um, then there are certain things that affect how the statute of limitations time period starts rolling, how that clock starts moving, and when and if it's, it's ever paused. So for conduct committed against a child, for example, Usually there are different requirements. It's either, you know, brought by the parents within X years on the child's behalf or, and or, the child themselves, once they turn 18, can bring it. Um, so there are ways around that as well. And 
all that aside, Spencer Eldon um, did not bring this case within the statute of limitations for any of the crimes that he cited. Um, so let's see what the statute of statutes of limitation are, because the sex trafficking statute, that's a problem in and of itself because it wasn't even a law when the photo was taken. But the statute of limitations for that law when it was enacted was four years. So four years since 2003, he doesn't even get in that window. If we were going to let it slide that it wasn't a law in 91, um, we are far from when it when that statute of limitations window was open. Now for the other statute that he cited, which did not have this like, it wasn't even a law then problem, uh, the child pornography statute, that one also has a statute of limitations issue because um, for that one, since it is involving minors, the, the two dates that they, that the court allows you to work from are um, 10 years from discovering the harmful conduct and like having knowledge of victimization. So imagine, you know, like a baby, if the baby were a victim, that they might not know until they see the photo. So you can either go from 18 or you can go from the, the first time that you learned of the victimization, whichever one happened first. So for Spencer Eldon, unfortunately, or I really don't care because there's no merit to this, um, he has been enjoying this nevermind uh, claim to fame for many, many years, and thus has been aware of the allegedly victimizing conduct um, pretty consistently by his own admission and by his own action. So Spencer Eldon loves the fact that he is the Nevermind baby. He, in fact, has Nevermind tattooed across his chest. So then we're thinking, okay, he was old enough to get a tattoo. He was 18. Um, and he was certainly aware of the album and the album cover at that point. He also recreated the album cover in a little nude onesie in 2012 for a photo shoot, which was um, a financial grab. And ultimately, that's what a lot of this comes down to. It, that, that seems to be the sole motivation is that he um, doesn't have a job. I think he's living at home and he's 30 or 31, which no shame. I am like living part time at my mom's and I might move in here full-time, so, like, I am not throwing shade at all, but, um, the fact is that he has openly said there's so much money that came out of this album, and I don't have any of it, and I'm living with my parents, so, like, I'm, and this comes back to, like, man, that's, that kind of blows, I guess, except that you seem somewhat insufferable, which makes me feel less badly for you, um, but, yeah, it's rough. It's, like, Anybody who didn't buy Apple stock when it was a dollar and then it ended up getting super expensive, but like maybe they had an opportunity to. It's like, it, it, it sucks. I'm sorry. Um, and it's also why the only dispute I can imagine having had any merit, if there is actually a legal problem, would have been a contract issue. But it sounds like somebody just missed the boat and they didn't bet on Nirvana um, in the way that might have allowed them to cash in on this for decades to come. Which, uh, what are you gonna do? Uh, 
everybody, like, nobody has foresight. I don't know. Um, just the fact that he didn't get in on it and his parents didn't doesn't necessarily mean that it is unjust or legally running afoul of any sort of regulation, let alone child pornography, which has really nothing to relate to the um, I want money saga. So the coming back to the statute of limitations thing, obviously we're looking at him being aware of the conduct for a long, long time. And we are now outside of the 10-year statute of limitations from when he learned of the conduct and or when he turned 18, because he's over 30 and he was aware of it enough to get a tattoo at the very least at 18. So that window has closed as well. It, and even before that, I should say, it seems like he's been consistently referencing the content probably even before 18, he has mentioned that he has used his status as the Nevermind Baby to pick up girls at school. So, um, there's, it seems like if that's what we know as the general public, there would be ample evidence that he has been consistently aware of his appearance on this album cover, and that would be the conduct, the victimizing, the quote-unquote victimizing conduct that would start that clock going. So, um, those were the issues that at the very least plagued the first complaint, which was then dismissed. And the motion to dismiss that was eventually granted by the, the judge in the first case was the dreaded 12b6 motion. So, in civil procedure in federal courts, 12b6 is the motion that you bring when somebody presents so little factual support for their claims in their initial filing that there is no possible way that this case can succeed. So the judge just has to throw it out outright before there's any preliminary hearing, before you even see any evidence, before you, you know, talk to witnesses, that it is so obvious just from looking at the initial papers that there is nothing there that the judge can safely throw it out, that there will, it will never ever succeed. And when you're looking at 12b6 motions and a judge is assessing them and assessing arguments on either side, you have to, or the judge has to look at all of the claims made by the person bringing the suit in the light that is most favorable to that person. So essentially the judge assumes that everything that party is alleging is true and assumes that they will have the evidence and the witness testimony and the whatever to back it up. So it's very, very charitable um, and very proof light. So if the judge grants a 12b6 motion, that's pretty bad. That means that you have so, so little on paper and or the law that you're arguing has been violated is so far off base from what you have said that there's no way you'll succeed. Let's just save everybody the time and get it out of here. Um, oh, and on that note of, of clogging up the judicial system, which is essentially a big part of the justification here, other than fairness and, and factors like that, is we don't want to clog up the judicial system and waste time, waste the judge's time, waste, uh, you know, courtroom space, etc., cetera, etc., cetera, on cases that we can say right up top that they're not going to go anywhere. Um, when we're talking about that sort of economy consideration, 
I should mention the justification for statutes of limitation in general, because I can see them sometimes looking a little bit unjust, and they are in some scenarios. But the justification for those is a similar one. It's, it's the idea of keeping the judicial system moving swiftly, um, you know, not allowing cases from any time in the past on any issue to come back whenever somebody decides that they still have a beef with somebody, maybe for other reasons, maybe because now they're having financial problems and they want to try to, you know, cash in. And oftentimes it's using considerations of evidence and witnesses. So it's thinking, you know, boy, it's been like 70 years since this conduct occurred. We don't have the papers anymore. Nobody can find them. Um, half the witnesses are dead. There's no way that we can make a good case. And we're going to tie up a whole courtroom, you know, judicial staff, the judge, the lawyers on both sides. It's just not practical. Um, we have to draw the line somewhere. And this seems like a pretty reasonable place to draw it. So that's just a, a side note going back to statutes of limitation and also connected to why 12b6 um, is an easy, early in the process way to get cases dismissed. So in this case, the judge granted the 12b6 motion by Nirvana's people, which alleged all the things that we're talking about. Um, you know that number one, and as a side note to everything, even the new one, he has known about this, and he kind of likes it, um, and he also openly wants money and fame. Um, he also is citing two laws that are not applicable right now, um, both because of statutes of limitations and because one of them wasn't even in place when the album photo was taken. So, um, I think actually Spencer Eldon's people didn't even respond to the motion to dismiss, which is doubly kind of poor taste and weird and makes me wonder once again who these lawyers are, who are, I mean, these are pretty basic things that like the law wasn't even a law then. That, um, that's a pretty big oopsie. <laughs> uh, like, Obviously, lawyers are sometimes in a tough position when they have to be somewhat deferential to their client, and sometimes clients don't want to stop, even when lawyers see that there's no case to be made. But that's a pretty glare. Like, that's not a matter of opinion. That's the law wasn't even there. Um, and now we also find out that the lawyers didn't even respond to the motion to dismiss, so they didn't even counter it. It was kind of granted on, on default. That it's like, well, nobody's arguing otherwise. Um, I believe it would have succeeded on the substance of the arguments they made too, but like, what the heck, you guys? Um, I Maybe it's cheap lawyers. Like, maybe they're not good, because that that is something that I think about even with cheap lawyers. If this guy doesn't have money and that's why he's bringing it, please stop spending your money on legal fees and on attorneys, even cheap ones, um, to file all these motions and redraft complaints. Just save that money. Put that in a, an interest accruing account and just go your separate ways and keep taking your little like nude onesie photo shoots and see what you can do. Good grief. Um, so I was dismissed um, and it was dismissed what's called without prejudice, which is you can bring the case again. You can try to fix the changes 
and bring a complaint about the same conduct, uh, like you can, you can take another shot essentially. Um, so Spencer Eldon's people refiled and it sounds like they cut out the sex trafficking claim entirely, the one that cited the law that wasn't a law when it happened. And the way that they're trying to fix the statute of limitations issue with um, the child pornography one, the, let's see, I think what they're alleging now is they're pointing to the distribution of the album and the reproduction of it within the last 10 years, which is a better argument. Um, it is conscious of the statute of limitations, which, you know, again, any lawyer worth their salt should have been aware of regardless. I mean, if you if you just read any statute, it will say in there what the statute of limitations is. So if you even looked at the law that you're citing, it would have said it there. But now they fixed it in that sense. I think it's it's a bit more of a stretch in terms of, like, even though they're fixing the time issue, what did the estate of Kurt Cobain have to do with all the printings and distribution within the last however many years? You're getting more and more distant from the band themselves, but they're also trying to bring in new evidence like Kurt Cobain's diary and some interview with the the album cover designer. And I did I read through that interview that they are apparently pulling evidence from, and they talk about wanting to use a photo of a woman giving birth. They talk about, you know, other items that the baby could be reaching for. None of it is sexual at all. So and certainly a woman giving birth is also graphic, um, arguably more graphic um, in terms of nudity and adult nudity, but then also like baby nudity potentially. And it is so clearly not sexual. Um, so if anything, I would think that that shows intent that is not pornographic um, in the discussions leading up to making the art itself. So I think from what I've seen of this new evidence that they're adding, it seems to kind of undercut the argument that this is child pornography. But um, be that as it may, there is precedent for what our common sense is telling us, and that is that a naked baby in and of itself is not by nature pornographic. Um, it's not inherently sexual just because you can see a baby naked. Um, so the, the case that was cited by Nirvana's attorneys is this other federal case called United States versus Knox. And they say that this is a case that shows um, that you kind of need a plus factor. You need something else beyond just nudity to make it pornography. As we all know, pornography is hard to define. It's that Justice Stewart quote of like, I don't know how to define it, but I know it when I see it. Um, I would argue that all of us under that standard would say this isn't it. A naked baby in a pool swimming around with like a dollar, not pornographic. But here is what the federal court in that case had to say. No one seriously could think that a Renoir painting of a nude woman or an innocuous family snapshot of a naked child in the bathtub violates the child pornography laws. 
Nudity must be coupled with other circumstances that make the visual depiction lascivious or sexually provocative in order to fall within the parameters of the child pornography statute. So there you have it. I think a very concise and very accurate and, you know, logical take on what child pornography is, just as a threshold concern. So um, that can be applied really easily to Spencer Eldon's photo. So let's... um. I think that that covers all the basics. We obviously will see where it goes from here. Um, we will watch, potentially, as Spencer Eldon drains his already meager financial reserves, and um, good luck to him, I suppose. I do think that any court, even if there were a lot more substance to it, would be so hesitant to say that naked baby photos are pornographic, because what a mess almost every family in this country would have on their hands if we decide in federal court that that is pornographic. So keep that in mind. I think Nirvana is safe to fight another day. Um, but this must be a real irritating undertaking that they have to keep dealing with, their attorneys at least. So, um, you know, if there are any exciting updates, I'll be back to update you guys. Um, other than that, I do imagine, if we are to make predictions, that this will be dismissed in one way or another at some point or another relatively early in the case process. So uh, there you have it. Um, if you are listening to this with your ear holes only, you can always watch videos on Instagram at mkzjoybrennan or on YouTube and always at my website, which is mkzjoybrennan.com. And if you're watching it, you can subscribe to my podcast feed, which is now a legal matter, uh, wherever you get your podcasts. So do that. I'm also selling shirts now. It's really fun. Um, I made a cool, like, New York David Berkowitz one. I think it's pretty cool, at least. Um, and another one that references the bong hits for Jesus, Morse versus Frederick Supreme Court case. So if anybody yells at you for wearing a bong hits shirt, just tell them that it is legal history. So um, you can find those on mkzjoybrennan.com in my shop. Uh, also, please check out the Last Podcast Network Twitch stream because there have been some awesome recent with uh, the ladies of Spun someplace underneath, Amber Nelson and Natalie Jean. We talk about Ghislaine Maxwell and Josh Duggar and some of the law and societal factors going on there. So please check it out. I was super excited about those and hopefully do more in the future. All right. See you in a bit. Bye.